This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman and I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all of the questions that have been on your mind lately. Right before we get into the episode, if you've been enjoying the podcast, then take a screenshot of this, put it in your Instagram stories and I may even share you in my own Instagram stories. This week we are talking about sex. Slight content warning because before we begin, this is going to be more explicit than my usual content. It is going to be different for me too because whilst I of course give this kind of life coaching advice in a one-to-one session and have worked with people on their relationship to sex, it's very different giving it online or on my actual platform than one-to-one with a client. Something which I probably don't make very apparent, but body confidence coaching, when I used to specialise in just body confidence, uh, has a lot to do with sex, and so it would come up in sessions a lot. It's really rare to coach someone on improving body confidence without talking about sex at all, because first of all, that's where most people get their body insecurities, and where their insecurities arise about everything, really, because that's you at your most vulnerable But also, you can't really have a good relationship with your body if you don't have a good relationship with all your body parts and you have shame around your vulva or shame around sexual trauma even. If you're under the age of 16, I will let you use your own discretion and if you have little babies running around, maybe pop some headphones in. But this is your forewarning to switch over to something a little more kid-friendly or maybe listen to this when you can be alone. It's actually quite funny to me that I haven't talked about sex explicitly on my page because I'm actually the go-to friend to talk about this kind of stuff in person. I am very open about sex and some people say I'm too open about sex. And you know what? I think it's important because I think only women are taught shame around sex conversations. I've dipped into bits online, but I always say it in quite a coded way. Not a coded way, but... I say it in a way that's not very graphic or detailed, but it is hard to talk about dating without talking about sex. So I do tend to talk about it, but I just do it quite subtly. And that's simply because, one, I get enough offers to promote sex toys and lingerie as it is, and I'm never going to do that because I have a no underwear rule. And second of all, I do work with kid-friendly companies, less so brands, but more so talks I want to do or... Companies that check that I'm not swearing, no explicit content, that I'm not talking about sex. In fact, I literally had a brand last week ask me to delete all my content in every single post where I had sworn 
and in the end I actually ended up turning down the job because they wanted so many posts deleted that I was like no not worth it can't delete that many posts but I like to toe that line because I am passionate about working with kids it was actually my first ambition when it came to a job especially when I wanted to be a psychologist I really wanted to work with kids and all my work experience all my jobs up till the age of 21 were all kids so primary schools disabled swimming camps um hospital schools I've literally worked in every child setting possible but then when I became a life coach because life coaching at the time was lesser known it is really hard to be working with kids but I still go into schools and now I've gone on a massive detour so it's not my main content anyway so it didn't seem like a large change for me to make on my page and also there are amazing sex educators like Hannah Witten and Layla Martin out there and it's not where I'm most knowledgeable or most passionate so it's not a big compromise but I am going to give this episode a massive caveat and say that I am not a doctor I am not a sex therapist so my advice is only that is advice and please take it as a point of view of one human take it less so as a life coach and just with the lens that I've worked in body confidence a long time and I know how to address insecurities around appearance, know your boundaries in a sexual environment and how to feel safe and comfortable in your skin and in your body and so that's the point of view I'll be answering these questions and I'm not sure I'm ever going to make another episode like this but you'll have one episode. I also think a lot of problems around sexual problems is actually due to the fact we never properly have these conversations in school and I don't know about your sex education classes but mine was so bare minimum and so very penis orientated. There is no priority on female pleasure and therefore people learn from the media and porn and it just sets up this unrealistic idea and it forces us into focusing on the visual in sex rather than focusing on the sensations in sex which is actually how to have good sex by the way. If you are worried about what you look like or being turned on by how a person looks that's still very superficial and it isn't the best sex you'll have. When you get turned on by what the person is actually doing, how they're touching you, how you're actually being in your body and not in your head long enough to actually feel those touches in your body, that's when the real magic happens. And your orgasms will go to a whole new level. And because we never really talk about female pleasure, there is no real conversation about how sex shouldn't revolve around finishing and orgasms. And some of the best sex I've had is where neither of us have finished. It's just a pleasurable experience to be with that person. All the generic sex conversations is just very around the penis, as I've said, but it's also very around penetration. And I'm going to challenge you to try to, from the very beginning, to start thinking differently about this. So we'll get into all of this in the episode and try to ruin this very patriarchal view of sex. And my final disclaimer is I'm going to try my best to be as inclusive as possible, and use terms like people with vaginas and people with penises but it may not be in every example because the questions below all happen to be about heterosexual situations not heterosexual people a lot of people below are bi but the situations they are talking about are between a man and a woman so just take my advice and in your head apply it to your own genitalia and just swap the words around and just know you are loved and absolutely included in this episode i'm a cisgender female and I date males. And this question is about setting sexual boundaries and consent. So I can consider myself 
sex positive and that I enjoy most sex acts, but there's some that I don't like because of a sexual trauma when I was 18. So for example, choking, I don't want to do that. So when I have a new sexual partner before we go to bed, I'd like to explain to him the things that I don't like, but I feel like then I'm listing a whole list of things I don't like. And how do I balance that with the things I like or so he doesn't get turned off? Thanks. Hey there. So this is very important. How to actually start that consent conversation? Because I'm going to broaden your question a little bit to include other people who might be wondering about additional elements of this is I actually just tend to start kissing and then the moment he goes to reach for my top or the moment it seems like this is going to escalate I'll just be like hey can we just talk about something for a moment and we'll pause completely in the past I used to do this around my scars hey just to warn you I have a few scars I don't do this anymore though and I don't recommend you do this because scars don't need a disclaimer in the same way cellulite doesn't need a disclaimer. If you have a colostomy bag that doesn't need a disclaimer but there was a point in my life I did believe that you needed to give a disclaimer before you took your top off if you had something unusual like scars and so I have done this with a guy where I just wanted to tell him to ease my nerves before anything else happened. Sometimes I've paused right before we were about to have sex because I hadn't had sex in a while and I just wanted to make that person aware of that and I was more comfortable by saying that. And sometimes I've paused right before we had sex because I just wanted to have a conversation about safe words. Whatever your reason for pausing before anything escalates is valid. You are allowed to do that. Back to your question though. The element you said about choking worries me because for me, no one should be choking you without a clear consent conversation specifically about choking. And if anyone did anything like that without a clear conversation about consent, then that's wrong. I believe getting consent for vanilla sex and getting consent for kinky sex are two separate conversations. If you're using kink correctly, there will always be a conversation before it. And if there isn't, then I would see that as a massive red flag. And personally, I would not feel comfortable having sex with anyone who would want to do that. It's actually so accepted in the kink community that it's seen as compulsory, as a must, because even if it isn't a conversation about hard limits, then you need to have a conversation about safe words. And to be honest, it should be a conversation about hard limits. So it would literally be sitting down and saying, let's talk about this first. And if anyone is turned off by a conversation about consent, then that's not a guy you should be sleeping with at all, let alone doing any kind of exploratory kind of sex, whether it's kinks or choking. Your limits are your limits and it doesn't matter how long your list is. My list is quite long. I don't like choking and I would absolutely be pissed off if someone went for my neck because without a prior conversation they wouldn't know that I have a tube in my neck and if you put your hand on my neck that tube will snap and I will need to have a surgery. So please don't go doing that without some consent involved. I also can't go upside down. So you know how sometimes your head slips off the bed and that kind of thing happens? That literally can't happen for me. So I need to have detailed conversations before any sexual activity to be able to be like, hey, just be aware of this so that we're on the same page. And it's a really natural and easy and effortless conversation. I can't say that I've ever had a guy who's ever made a big deal about it. And if you have, 
that means that person needs to be kicked out there and then. The thing with limits is you don't need to explain why. You don't need to tell your partner or your sex partner it's because of sexual trauma and you definitely don't need to tell them what that sexual trauma is. If you aren't comfortable, that's all that matters and that's all you have to say. All you have to say is, hey, can we talk about this? So here are my safe words. What safe words would you like? Do these safe words work for you? What are the safe words if your math is busy? What are my hard limits? What are your hard limits? And great, are we all agreed on this? Great, let's continue. And that's it. In terms of your concern about turning them off, I think it's important we don't frame this consent conversation as not sexy, because I know this is a worry in a lot of people's head. Ultimately, you are still talking about sex, and therefore it can be fun. It can even be a turn-on. It can even be sexy. But it doesn't need to be your priority to make it sexy, or to make it fun, or to make it a turn-on. I don't personally believe it ruins the mood, but even if it does, you can build the mood back up. It's not this finite thing. Because the consent conversation is compulsory, not optional. And if you're doing anything outside the realm of vanilla, a detailed consent conversation in terms of what you do want and what you don't want is important. But in the question you asked, how do I mediate it or balance it with things that I enjoy? To be honest... I don't have the conversations of things I like in that consent conversation. I think it's important to be clear-cut and separate that out. The conversation of what I do actually like usually takes place quite organically, either by them doing it and me saying, oh, that's good, or after we have sex, where I'll just be like, oh, I love that thing you did, that was fun. I do keep the consent conversation separate though and I do think that's important. So we may have the conversation in the living room and then when that's finished we move to the bedroom. Changing rooms sometimes helps changing the mood and getting into a different mindset. But again I don't see it as a different mindset because it's all connected to sex like it's all part of sex to me. But when you move to the bedroom or whatever it is even move to the kitchen it is so distinct and you almost have to see any kind of kinky sex as a scene or a role play so you would never do a scene of any kind without discussing what's going to happen in that scene. I also think you need to be not so concerned with turning off a guy in the same way when I talk about boundaries I say you can't control their reaction or their response and if you're concerned about their reaction or response you won't set the boundaries properly it's the same with consent a conversation about consent is about boundaries so it's exactly the same if you're concerned about how they're going to respond or react to your hard limits you won't set them where they need to be and you need those in place to make sure you're safe and comfortable so instead use their response or use their reaction as a telltale sign or a warning sign of someone you shouldn't be sleeping with if it ends up being an unpleasant conversation. Also, I just want to say if anyone tries to push a hard limit after it's been set or actually does that hard limit, safe word and that's the end of it, there and then. This should never be happening. For you to consent to sex, that was within the parameters of your hard limits and the moment that gets crossed, so if anyone goes to choke you, that agreement is broken. That's not kinky sex, that's just abuse. The key to doing this is to care more about yourself than for you to care about him. And right now, you are caring about his opinion more than you are caring about your own feelings and your own safety. If a guy is turned off because you said no to choking, the person you should not be questioning is yourself. Have fun, also stay safe, but it's okay to have hard limits. As long as you're armed, you can have the longest list possible and that requires no explanation. They either accept it 
or sex is off the table. Good luck and I hope that helped answer your question. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking One Tree Hill. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. I actually didn't watch this show when it aired, but I did watch it later on in life, but I can't for the life of me remember when. I think it must have been in university. I had a friend who was always talking about One Tree Hill, and I had never watched it because at the time I thought you had to choose between the OC and One Tree Hill, and I was such a fan of the OC. I was team OC all the way. Turns out I like both of them. I've really struggled to remember any storyline in One Tree Hill though, but I do prefer the OC. But anyway, the reason why we're doing this segment on One Tree Hill is actually because one of you sent it to me in my DMs on Instagram. She was watching One Tree Hill and she asked me to discuss this scene. So here I am discussing it. It's in season five when one of the main characters, Lucas, proposes to Peyton. It's actually Peyton who finds the ring. And she says, what is this? She says she's been sitting there all day and thinking about how much he loves him. And so he gets on one knee and starts to propose and she asks him to wait. He, of course, doesn't and keeps going and saying he knows it's sudden. She says there's so much they need to talk about and he says we'll figure out the details later. The details he is suggesting that they talk about later are massive things like whether one of them is moving across the country because at some point they don't live in the same place at this point they don't live in the same place they are both in pivotal parts of their career and he said he'll move and she says if I ask you to walk away from your dream you'll resent me for it and she's right you don't have these conversations in a rush and she knows she wouldn't leave LA for him so doesn't want to ask him to do the same for her 
I mean, what strikes me most about this conversation is she starts this conversation amazingly in a really slow, calm way, emphasizing how much she loves him. And he comes in so extreme, guns are blazing, talking with such intensity and in such an extreme way. The thing is, it's obvious that Lucas is only doing this because there's another couple in the show who have a family and a kid and he's always wanted that. But rather than healing that and healing the fact that his family brought up wounds, he's trying to quick fix it by comparing and then jumping into it. You see, if you had a broken family, and I don't really like that term, but it's very easy to use because you know exactly what I mean as soon as I use it. So if you have a family that have had issues in it, it's really easy to crave a family of your own to fix the wounds of the past. The problem is, if you create a family out of this reason, you actually just pass on the wounding to your children and that's really not fair. So if you can, and if you have the opportunity to, heal it first and don't create a family or even get married to fix the insecurity or the uncertainty you feel, or just because it's the logical next step, as if getting married just magically fixes things, because it does not. From what he is saying, it's obvious he thinks that by getting married, they won't be growing apart. And she rightly says that if you think our love can't last one year of being apart, being across the country from each other, then how are we talking about forever? He says she is saying no. And she says, I'm not saying no. I'm saying not now. Oh, I love that. That is such good phrasing. Yes, well done, Peyton. Peyton is perfect in this conversation, can't fault her. And she is speaking from such an empathetic place. She is really putting herself in his shoes. And she even goes as far to say as, don't do that, don't pull away from me. I want us to be together. I love you so much. And he says, it's not enough. Tool bag. (laughs) He ends it there and then. And he literally proposes to another person so quickly after this. And it just gives me those vibes of someone wanting a boyfriend for the sake of having a boyfriend, but a wife. He wants a wife for the sake of having a wife. He wants a wife for the sake of having a family to the point that women are interchangeable to him. Actually, in the scene where she finds out he is engaged to another woman, she actually says, if you want to break my heart, there was a million ways you could have done that without proposing to another woman. But let's actually talk about what's happening here. When you want to move this quickly, it's because there are unresolved feelings, whether that's uncertainty about the future, insecurity at his friends being a family already, or just not being in a good place yourself. There is nothing solved by escalating this. I always have a phrase in my head, even when I'm dating, which is, what is the rush? The only times I have ever known someone to rush any stage of a relationship is for a wrong reason, either because they tend to disappear or think you are going to disappear at some point. And I think this conversation is an example of how a dysfunctional conversation can happen, even if one person is being functional and as articulate as Peyton was being. It just ends up being messy and a bit of a mess because good communication involves two parties. But what we can learn from this and what I would do in this situation is I would slow him down immediately. I know that she attempts to, but I would do it more firmly. I would then ask him to breathe with me and to take a deep breath together so he can connect. Then I would say, okay, what is really going on? What is all this fear? And to be honest, it seems like anxiety in you. Let's park the proposal for a second because either way, 
this is what needs to be sorted right now. We can't just run away from this. We can't just act on our feelings. Marriage should be a conscious decision and a deliberate choice over time, not done in the spur of the moment when you feel discomfort around something else. In real life, I do believe this would work. And I also think Peyton would have actually got through to him and Lucas wouldn't have just ended it there and then. But that's the difference between TV and real life. In summary, do not follow examples that you see on TV and do not get your communication style from things you watch. Hi, I'm Shraddha from India and something I don't see getting discussed a lot is when you try to have sex for multiple times for the first time, penetrative sex, and it doesn't work and how you go about that especially when products like lubes are artificial. It's also hard to talk about, talk to your gynecologist about these specific issues, especially in a country like India. And so I, I wanted to ask you about your tips uh, regarding when, the, when, you know, a penis doesn't fit into a vagina properly uh, and what to do about that, especially if both partners really, really, really uh, want to do it hey there so again i'm going to give the caveat of i'm not a doctor and i'm going to answer this question based on the assumption that there isn't an issue medically whether that be vaginismus or something else you're right this is something that is not discussed a lot but you know what is discussed a lot that the first time should hurt for women and i truly believe this is where the shame starts from Did you know your first time doesn't actually need to hurt? And a lot of the time, the reason why our first time hurts is because of inexperience. And frankly, because guys, if you're doing penetrative sex, don't take the time needed to actually warm you up and give you a chance to get turned on or for your arousal to kick in. And that's not even just the first time. A lot of the times when people with vulvas are in pain, because we have normalised sex hurting or being uncomfortable and it doesn't need to be, this happens so much more than it should be. There have been times in my life when I said I'm fine, when I'm not, I'm actually in pain. And it actually took a guy when I was 19 years old being like, why are you saying that? You clearly aren't fine. And my response at the time was actually, oh, it's fine. It usually hurts for the first few minutes. And he actually stopped having sex in the middle, sat up and was like, what? That's not the way it should be. It took a man explaining to me my own body to realise that all I needed to say is I need a little bit longer to warm up and also that guys can't just shove it straight in to every person with a vagina. Sometimes you just need to insert the tip, stay there for a bit before going any deeper. So I totally know what you mean when you say that it just doesn't work. It's happened to me before. The reason why this happens is because the average depth of an unaroused vagina of someone who has never given birth is 2.8 to 3.1 inches and 3.7 to 4.1 inches when aroused. Those inches make the difference. So we're talking about arousal here. The reason why you might not be getting aroused is because you're stressed and tensed. And you also then tense up and stress more if you've already had a past experience of this. So it's kind of unhelpful when people like me say, well, you're just too stressed or, well, you're just very tense because that's not really giving you a practical solution. So here's a practical solution. For a week, you are not allowed to do penetrative sex. You are actually banned from it. 
I find banning things makes it more sexy. I don't know if that's actually true. Whatever, you're banned from it. This will force you to explore the other elements of sex and take the focus off of penetration. Let him touch you down there, explore the clit, explore your labia, explore your lips, massage your boobs. You can go down on him. Whatever you want to do, just no penetration. You have so many other options. You can even just give each other a massage. Enjoy each other's bodies and the intimacy and the connection of spending time together. At least once this week, I want you to set an alarm for an hour. The reason I want you to do it for an hour is because you need the time to get lost in it. You need the time to relax and properly relax into it. And you just need the time to get into it properly. Your only job in this week is to stay out of your thoughts and stay out of your head. Say he's massaging you and a new thought comes into your brain. Focus on where his hands are touching your back and bring your attention to that point in your body. Feel what you're feeling in your body, which parts feel good, which parts don't feel good. See it as an exercise of curiosity and tell him what you're enjoying. Tell him what you're not enjoying. Tell him what you want more of or less of or something else. This is all about taking control of the relationship to sex and your body to bring pleasure back in so that you can actually use your voice in these situations and it takes the pressure off. You both need a good experience together and it can really ease that feeling. So I hope that helps and I hope that gives you more options. This week's three quick tips are on how to get out of your head in the bedroom. Number one, breathe deeper. When you hold your breath, you actually stop the sensations in your body. I know this happens when you're close to orgasm, but actually, when you're feeling that urge to tighten or tense, instead, take a deep breath and release into it. Even if you're counting your breaths in your head, so counting four seconds in, five seconds out, whatever it is, it actually intensifies what you're feeling. Number two, stay in your body, not your head. Every time you are in your head, it is hard for your body to respond to what's happening inside you or to your body. Whether you're thinking about your emails or how fat your stomach looks, it ruins the fun. So instead of trying to shut those thoughts up, return back to the moment. Focus on your breath. Notice what you're feeling in your body, whether that's the jitteriness in your heart or warmth going up your arm, whatever it is, focus on that to get you outside of your head. Number three, make noises. I know many people don't feel comfortable making the organic noises that come from feeling those sensations in the bedroom either because of shame or shyness or embarrassment, but the more you control your noises and you hold it in, the less you are able to feel and actually enjoy those experiences. So just let them be, let them be free. Don't overthink it, don't perform it either, but instead, when you feel something, just give yourself permission to actually express whatever moans or sounds that naturally arises in your body. Hi, Michelle. My name is Rachel. Uh, First off, I wanted to say thank you for the podcast and thank you for your little corner of the internet on Instagram. I thoroughly enjoy being a part of that. So my question is in regards to casual dating. So at this particular junction in time, I am a woman dating men. Um, I am bi- And I got out of a serious relationship last year. So at this particular moment in time, I do not feel the urgency to try and find the next great love of my life and settle down. I just don't. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying my freedom. That being said, I feel like even if you 
conversationally on a dating app or saying to someone like, no, I'm looking for something serious. It still can sort of like, I don't even know if move quickly is the word, but it's just very quick. Like, great. We're, like, what are your picks? What's your snap here? Like, do you want a dick pic? Like, well, don't get me wrong. All of that is fine. But like, I'm going to meet you first. Like, if I don't like you, if we, if I don't feel any sort of chemistry whatsoever, you know, I don't want to sleep with you either. So like, thanks, but no thanks. And it's just sort of, I guess, how do you get the guys to not jump the gun and like everybody just play it cool and be like, you know, but this didn't work out. Like, that's okay. All the best. Um, because yeah, I've never actually really dated without a purpose, I guess. And I'm kind of excited to try it. But realistically, I have no idea what I'm doing. So any helpful tips or suggestions would be very much welcomed. So thank you for your time. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for your question. Uh, this is actually exactly how I am. I have been in casual relationships. I have dated casually, but I'm just like you. I don't want to be texting about sex until we actually meet. Even if it's casual, I want to go on a date first and I want to see if we actually get on as humans. If I can't hold a conversation with you, or even if I don't actually find you attractive in person, then sex isn't going to work. And I also don't want to feel pressured to have sex with you or agree to having sex with you until after the date. In which case, I will usually suggest it by bringing you home on that first date. And so I know what you mean about people using dating apps in that way. I do get frustrated that the conversation turns very sexual to the point of sexting very quickly and I also am never going to say yes to going over to an apartment for one night stand if I've never met you and I also don't let people in my apartment if I've not met you first and gone for a drink with you first which if I had met you in a club then sure fine fair enough as long as I've met you I'm fine but before that element to be honest, it's about safety. I don't know what you look like. I don't know what your energy is. And how do I know you are who you say you are? That being said, I have been in a number of casual situations and how all of them have happened is actually off dating apps. I've gone on that one day and I've determined for whatever reason I'm not interested in a relationship, either because personally I'm not in a time in my life for looking for a relationship or because that person is really interesting, good conversation, but just doesn't meet my values for a boyfriend. In which case, two, usually three drinks in, I will just be like, hey, so do you want to come back to mine? Or actually, I once had a first date end short because my housemate called me crying and we were around the corner. And so I said, I was really sorry. And he said, no worries. And he'll walk me home. And when he did, I just said, did he want to come in for a drink? He actually thought it was an excuse at the time. And he only told me that after we'd had sex that he was like, oh, I thought you were ending the date early because you were having an awful time. And I was like, no, genuinely, my housemate was actually crying. She never cries. And I just wanted to check on her. But I told him he could come in, I just need to check on my housemate and then we can continue the date. Especially women are really concerned that when dating in a casual way for the first time, they almost pre-declare it, like they declare it so upfront or in a bid to be upfront that it's almost too early. You can be upfront and it still not be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Because in my mind, if you haven't even decided that you can have a conversation with the person, whether you want to have sex with them or a relationship with them is irrelevant. My definition of being upfront is I never dodge a question 
or am dishonest. So if the first question happens to be, what are you looking for? I will say, depends on how interesting the person is. Because that's true. You can't tell what you want from a person until you know the person. You can't know whether you want a one night stand or continuous casual relationship until you've actually slept with them. And so you have to actually see if you have any chemistry. So when you're actually on the date, that's when, if they ask, what are you looking for? You can be like, well, I just came out of a long-term relationship, so I'm probably looking for something more fun and just to enjoy myself. It doesn't need to be that explicit. They get what you mean. And if you're actually saying that in the moment, on the date, you likely will know that you already want to sleep with them because you'll be in front of them and you'll be able to see whether you have that kind of chemistry In short, the ones who escalate it really quickly and are sending you dick pics before you've even met, even in casual situations, those aren't the guys for you. And that's fine because those aren't the guys for me either, but I've still found casual relationships. It's possible to have standards and expectations for your casual relationships. Some of the guys I've been in casual relationships with are amazing humans. They're great conversation and they're people who I would otherwise have wanted to be friends with. And it's okay to have that expectation because ultimately that person is still a person in your life. Also, it's okay if you want decent conversation from your casual relationship. Like for me, I actually need to know we're going to have conversation because otherwise that after sex bit where they're still in your bed, it's really bloody awkward. And frankly, no matter how good the sex is, it's not worth that awkwardness where you almost feel like you have to kick them out quickly because it's just so stagnant when you're trying to have a conversation. And you know what? I actually think it affects how good the sex is if you can't enjoy each other's conversation. One of the things about dating without a purpose is it's all about broadening your mindset. So in the same way when people date with a purpose and they go, I want a boyfriend, and that's not particularly helpful. When you date without a purpose, you don't necessarily have to be like, I want sex and only sex. Be open to what happens and who comes into your life and that gives you the flexibility to change your mind because you've not defined what you want too early on. For example, do you know how many people I thought I wanted a relationship from and then on like date three I'll be like, "Hmm, no, this is just sex. And sometimes then I'll take them back on the third date for that reason. You can have all of this in the back of your mind while looking for a friends with benefits situation, but you don't need to define that to them. That's the difference between privacy and honesty. They don't need to know your every thought in order for you to still be an honest and upfront person when dating. I hope that helps and eases some of the pressure you're putting on yourself because this is meant to be fun. Go enjoy yourself and I hope you have the best time dating. The thing I am working on at the moment is to be more open-minded, online specifically. I'm not a judgmental person, so maybe open-minded isn't the exact word I am looking for. I mean, as a life coach, you just can't be judgmental and that kind of gets like trained out of you quite quickly. But let me explain. So there was a point in my life I wouldn't work with anyone who was deeply entrenched in diet culture. Or to be honest, I wouldn't even follow anyone vaguely in diet culture. Like one diet culture post and you're gone off my newsfeed. I kind of felt this pressure that if I ever shared someone in my stories or I went on someone's podcast or even if I followed them in some way I was endorsing every single thing they said but I'm trying to be more flexible and lenient and maybe that's only because I'm more healed now so I can see diet culture stuff without it getting under my skin or convincing me to start a diet but the reason I'm trying to be more open-minded is because you miss out on opportunities to learn when you need every single person you follow online to agree with you on everything. 
I've changed my newsfeed a lot in that I follow a lot of people who I don't 100% agree with. So I might be following them because I love their spiritual content, but they do make a few fat favourite comments, or I don't really agree with their point of view on sex. Or I'm following a great therapist, but I also have to tune out all her religious content, so every time she says the word God, I have to swap it for universe in my own head when reading her content. I don't tell her that, but I can absorb the same lesson with one small word swap in my head. In summary, I'm trying to practice something I say all the time, which is take what resonates, ignore the rest. It's always been a pet peeve of mine when someone comments, I disagree, you're wrong. And I've just always thought, why don't you just keep scrolling? Like, why do you bother? I've never been that person myself, but I was a person who would quietly unsubscribe and not say anything. And it just got me thinking, am I only learning from people who I already agree with? So that's a thought in my brain at the moment. It's what I've been thinking about. And again, no conclusions. And I'm not encouraging you to do anything either way. You do what's right for you. You follow who you want and you unfollow who you want. But maybe it has got you thinking about who you want to be subscribing to and following as well. Thank you so much all for your questions. This was a particularly vulnerable episode for me, but I know it's equally as vulnerable for all of you sending in voice notes and specifically all of you who sent in a voice note for this episode. I so appreciate you and your openness and your vulnerability in talking about something that we're both not 100% comfortable talking about in public. And this is public to me. And so if you want more episodes, I need more voice notes. And if you'd like to be part of a future episode and get your question answered, then send your voice note to inallhonesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below if you didn't quite catch that. And in the meantime, you can get my book, The Joy of Being Selfish, which is all about boundaries, or you can get Am I Ugly, which is all about body image. And you can follow me online at Scar Not Scared on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And I will speak to you next Wednesday. I hope you have an amazing week and sending you so much love. Thank you for listening. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.